Alex Sheen is the founder of Because I Said I Would. It's an international social movement and nonprofit organization dedicated to the betterment of humanity through promises made and kept. On the morning of September 4th, 2012, Alex's father died of lung cancer. He was asked to speak at his father's funeral and to give the eulogy. Alex titled his speech, Because I Said I Would. And here's what he said. He said, my father was an average man. He was no war hero. He never wrote a book. He never ran marathons. He was not a pharmacist. Uh, I'm sorry, he was just a pharmacist. No recognition, no fame. But for everything that made my father average and every day, there was one thing that he did exceptionally well. He kept his promises. My father was a man of his word. So on that day, at that funeral, Alex handed out for the first time what he would call promise cards. They were cards, small cards, to remind people of the importance of keeping their commitments, the importance of keeping their promises. He simply asked everyone there to write a promise on the card and then to fulfill that promise. Let the card be a reminder and a symbol of your honor. He offered to send, also in that funeral, he offered to send 10 promise cards to anyone, anywhere in the world, at no cost to them. This would set off a chain of events that was far more than he ever anticipated. Since his father's passing on September 4, 2012, because I said I would, has sent 8.42 million promise cards to over 150 countries. Alex's commitment to better humanity through promises kept has inspired people around the world. For example, there's the story of the man with cancer who promised to write a, a napkin note for his daughter's lunch so that she would have one every day until she graduated. And then there's some of them that are light, light-hearted, like this one that says, I'll get the Christmas lights down before Easter. Some of you wives are thinking, I'm going I'm to get a promise card for my husband. That's a good idea. Alex says, as he summarized all this, he said, sometimes we don't need a miracle solution. Sometimes we just need people to do what they said they were going to do. Pretty good word. And today, as we start this new series, we're going to see that God is like that. That God does exactly what he said he was going to do. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at three promises that God made and that God kept. And those Amazing promises are part of an even greater promise. Did you know that the Bible is the only book, the only book in the world that has specific prophecies or promises that were clearly fulfilled hundreds of years after they were made? In fact, did you know this, that there are over 300 prophecies or 300 promises in the Old Testament about the one that God would one day send? that they called the Messiah. In the Hebrew, the, the word is Messiah. It means anointed one. In the New Testament, the word is Christ. It means the same thing, the anointed one. Did you know that there are three, over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, about his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection? I mean, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is in the Old Testament? Let me show you one example of this. Jesus on the road to, to Emmaus said, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I'm sorry, I flipped over one too, too, too quickly. Let me try this one. 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Beginning with Moses, first five books of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, Jesus began to explain to these people after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, he began to explain to them using the Old Testament all the scriptures concerning himself. Isn't that interesting? And then, the one that I read just now, a a moment ago, Jesus was speaking to his disciples a little bit after that in Luke 24, 45, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Those are the three major divisions of the Hebrew Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. So Jesus said, when you look at the Old Testament, You can see me in the Old Testament, in every section of it, every part of it talks about me. You see, the books of the Old Testament were written by many different authors at various times over many centuries, but what bound them together was this promise that was woven throughout the Old Testament. Every section of the Old Testament deals with this promise in one way or another, that God was sending one who would rescue us from our sin and from ourselves. That promise is woven throughout the Old Testament. Book after book, prophet after prophet, spoke about this one that was coming, this promised one that was coming for our sin. And the hints, as you look at it in Scripture, are are really tantalizing. In in Isaiah, for example, Isaiah said that, that this special deliverer would be born of a virgin. Look how he says it. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will, they will call him Emmanuel. That was 700 years, roughly 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah prophesied a little portion of the promise that this one that was coming would be born of a virgin. And then when you open up the book of Matthew, open up the New Testament, you come to Matthew chapter 1 and you see the promise fulfilled. Matthew chapter 1, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But that's not the only place. It's found throughout the Old Testament. Let me give you one more example. We're actually going to look at this one next Sunday. But Micah offered a prediction that was very specific and very startling. Micah predicted, he prophesied, that this new king, this one that was coming, would be born in the tiny town of Bethlehem. Look how Micah said it. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. When you open up the New Testament, hundreds and hundreds of years later, to Luke chapter 2, verse 11, you see the fulfillment of that promise. Today, the angel said, in the town of David, or the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. More than 300 promises and prophecies like these from God about the birth, the life, the death, and even the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It it was, think of it in terms of a giant 300-piece puzzle that took hundreds and hundreds of years to put together. And each prophet had one or more pieces of of that, that puzzle. And when it was all put together, it formed a beautiful picture of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the promised one. I found something very interesting in my study that one mathematician determined that the odds of one person 
fulfilling just eight of the major prophecies of Jesus found in the Old Testament. That the odds of, of, a, of, of one person fulfilling just eight of those major prophecies that Jesus fulfilled are one in ten to the 17th power. Now, I have no idea why that is, so I had to look it up. And you know what that is? That is one with 17 zeros behind it. Now, that's, that's just beyond my little ability to, to comprehend. So, I found this illustra- from a illustration of Max Anders. He said, in order to help us understand these staggering odds, he said, suppose that we take this many silver dollars, that many right there, one with 17 zeros behind it. Suppose we take that many silver dollars, and we spread them out across the state of Texas. Now, Texas is, anybody, anybody been to Texas? Texas is a big state, isn't it? In fact, they say if, if you were to take Texas, and, and if El Paso was the hinge point and flip it to the, to the west, that it would fall into the Pacific Ocean. If you took Houston as the hinge point and flipped it to the east, it would fall into the Atlantic Ocean. That's how big Texas is. So, so Max Andrews said, if you were to take this many silver dollar coins and spread them all across the state of Texas, it would be two feet deep. He said, now, what if we took one of those coins and we painted it red, just one, and we put it somewhere across the state of Texas? Then we blindfolded you and said, now, go anywhere you want to in the state of Texas, and then when you get wherever you want to go, bend over and pick up one silver dollar. He said the, the chances of you walking across the state of Texas in that two feet deep of coins and finding the one red silver dollar is approximately the same as a person fulfilling just eight of the major prophecies of the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. You see, God keeps his promises. And all of these 300-plus prophecies and promises in the Old Testament are all part of the promise about the Savior who would come to the world. So on that promise, on that first Christmas day, think of the first Christmas day as in, this, in these terms, promise fulfilled. Now, one of those promises is recorded for us, and we're going to look at it today. It's in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Would you open God's Word with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 9? Isaiah chapter 9. Before we read verses 1 through 7, I just want to give you the context. The people that Isaiah was speaking to were living in a land of darkness. And I don't mean physical darkness. They were living in a land of spiritual darkness. So let me give you one example. Go back to chapter 8. Look at verse uh, 22. Then they... Well, let's look at verse 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should you not... Should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? That's the kind of thing that was happening in the days of Isaiah. And so it says in verse 22, Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fear and gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. He was speaking to a group of people, God's people, who were living in a very dark time spiritually, partially because of their own disobedience to the Lord and His Word. Now, we pick up the story in chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Nevertheless, 
there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Look at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, for sake of time, skip down to verse 6. He tells us in verse 6 that this light that will be coming to the dark world is actually a child. He says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, you are so familiar with that scripture that perhaps it didn't impact you like it should. Let's read it one more time. Verse 6, just verse 6. For unto us, these people living in darkness, as well as all of us, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I just want you to comprehend what you've just read. I can understand God sending a light into the darkness. I can understand God sending a Savior to the world. But what is harder to comprehend is why God would send him as a child. I mean, everyone thought that the Messiah was coming, but they thought the Messiah that was coming would be a great military and spiritual leader. They, they envisioned this great man who would come as conqueror to conquer the enemies of God's people. I mean, the need of this dark and dying nation was urgent. One nation after another were, was coming in to conquer the chosen people in the promised land. And the legacy of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob seemed to be crumbling. And in that dark and desperate time, God sent a child. Does that sound strange to anybody? Maybe this will help you. Imagine your car breaking down in the middle of the night on Interstate 85 and you call AAA and they send you a child to help you. Or what if you're having chest pains and you call 911 and they send you a baby to revive you? No, that would, that, that would be unthinkable. There's no way that that would happen. There's no way, logically, we would even think in those terms. When you're in a desperate situation, you don't want a child to help you. So why did God do it? Why did the Savior of the world come to us as a child? For unto us a child is born. They didn't need a child. They needed a savior. They, they didn't need a child. They, they needed somebody to help them conquer what was conquering them. So why did God do it? You know why God did it? Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, this, this is what I want you to hear today. You know why God sent a child? Because that's the way you entered the world too. That's why he sent a child. Because that's the way you entered the world. You see, Jesus came to identify what, with us in every way. He didn't just come to us. He became one of us. Isn't that the message of John 1.14? We'll put it on the screen. Look at John 1.14. The Word, the Eternal One, 
the Word, the Eternal One, God became flesh, became what we are, and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus experienced the the full human journey so that one day he could experience the full sacrifice of our sins. Jesus was simultaneously, when he came and was born in Bethlehem, he was simultaneously fully human and fully divine. He was 100% man and he was 100% God. He was basically a man of both worlds, wasn't he? You could say that he was the bridge by which God comes to earth and the bridge by which people go to heaven. That's the reason you need him in your life because there's only one person who's ever been that kind of bridge. The bridge by which God came to earth and the bridge by which man can go to heaven. So he started out like you did. He started out as a baby. He started out as a little child. It's just amazing when you think about it. He cried in the middle of the night. He hungered for milk. And every so often he needed fresh swaddling clothes. Mary and Joseph watched this baby grow up. In fact, it says in the Gospels that that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, that there was something about this child. He, as he grew up, he, there was something about the special about him. Later we see him as a young man beginning his ministry. We see him in the desert wrestling with temptation and the matter of his destiny. And as you read that account in the New Testament, you realize he is indeed fully human as he wrestles with the temptation and the destiny that is his. And after he launched his ministry, he visits the town of, that he grew up in. He goes back to his hometown, the place where people knew him and he knew them and He probably heard them talking. Because look on the screen, Matthew 13. Look at what they said. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people. This is is right after he begins his ministry. He comes to his hometown and begins teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where where did this man... So they focused on his humanity. Where, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? You can almost hear them whispering, Hey, hey, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simeon and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? They couldn't figure it out. They knew he was human. They had watched him grow up. They saw him when he was a child. And they watched him grow up into a man. A couple of years later, this man, as they referred to him, he was led to a place called Golgotha, and the crude spikes were hammered into his hands and feet. And he felt the pain because he was human just like you and I. 100% man. And at the same time, 100% God. And that, that is what Isaiah saw 700 years before it happened. For unto us, a child is born. But 
Here's the catch. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just a child. Go back to Matthew, or, or I'm sorry, to Isaiah chapter 9. Look at the text again. The text emphasizes that, yes, he was a child, but he wasn't just a child. It says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child is born speaks of his humanity. A son is given speaks of his divinity. You might want to write in the column right beside that phrase, a son is given, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Unto us a child is born, his humanity. Unto us a son is given, his divinity. And the government, because he's not some ordinary child, the government will be on his shoulders and more proof that he's not an ordinary child. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and how long? Forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is no ordinary child. Now here's the one thing I want you to know today that I want to make sure you get before we leave. You know why Jesus came as a child? He came as a child to confront and conquer every challenge and every temptation you and I face. He came to experience, to confront, and to conquer Everything that you and I face. So he started out the way you started out. He started out as a baby. He came as a child. And he experienced, he confronted every temptation you will ever experience. And he conquered every temptation you will ever experience. And then when he went to the cross, he died for those sins. Where you gave in to those temptations. This is what Matthew was talking about. As Matthew tells the story of Jesus, 700 years after Isaiah prophesied it, as Matthew tells the story of Jesus, it's interesting what he says. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, if you want to open God's Word to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We read that a moment ago, but now flip the page and go to chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. After this child was born, it's interesting what happened. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east, is talking about the magi or the wise men, and the star that they saw in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where, where the child was. Now, this was not the night of his birth. This was sometime later. Now he is referred to as a child. So they go over to the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they, they bowed down 
and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. When was the last time you went to the hospital to see somebody's baby? And you bowed down and you worshipped that baby. I doubt that you've ever done that. You've probably gone to see a baby. And you've marveled and how pretty and all of that kind of thing and how special. But these men, when they saw the child, the Bible says, suddenly they knew. Before they got there, they knew. But when they saw him, they knew this is no ordinary child. A child, yes, but no ordinary child. And the Bible says, and they knelt down and they worshipped him. They presented him gifts. See, they knew this child had been promised by Isaiah 700 years before. They knew this child that they were looking at was the one Isaiah prophesied, the one that God promised 700 years ago. And when they looked at this child, they worshipped and they realized promise fulfilled. Now, finally, going back to Isaiah 9 one more time. I want to make sure that you also are aware of the names that this child would be called. Because they're important to your life. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, he says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. In other words, he has the wisdom to guide and direct your life. He is a wonderful counselor who can guide your life. Mighty God. He has the power and the position to meet every need you have. Everlasting Father. He is eternal and has fatherly love for us in the same way that God loves and cares for us. And Prince of Peace. He's the one who can bring peace in our lives. And He's the one that can give us peace with God. He is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesied what God promised. For unto us a child is born. So, Pastor, how how do we know for sure that that was Jesus he was talking about? Would you look at this final verse we're going to put on the screen? It's, It's in Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. It says, All the prophets testify about him, about Jesus. All the prophets in the Old Testament Go through the Old Testament, prophet after prophet, book after book. All the prophets testify about him, about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. See, that's the reason for the promise. The promise throughout the Old Testament was simply this. There is one coming, a promised one, the anointed one. In the Old Testament, they called him Messiah. In the New Testament, they called him Christ. It means the anointed one. There is one coming who can address the needs of your life. There is one coming who can meet every need that you have. There is one coming who will be the wonderful counselor you need, the mighty God who has power, the everlasting Father who loves you, the Prince of Peace who can give you peace in your heart and peace in your life and peace in your family. There is one coming. And on Christmas morning, Christmas evening, promise fulfilled. But now listen to me. Over in the Life Center, hear this. You understand that God can make a promise to you and it never benefits your life? Isn't that sad? 
God can make a promise and keep a promise, but it has no benefit to your life unless, unless you receive his promise and claim his promise. I love the promise in Romans 10, 13. It's a very short promise, very powerful promise. Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Nobody is excluded. Nobody has gone too far. Nobody has done too much. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise that God made in the book of Romans. That's a promise that God's made to you. And it's, it's a promise that's hundreds of years old, just like the promise from Isaiah. It is now hundreds and hundreds of years old. But I've seen God fulfill that promise time after time after time. And today he can fulfill it in your life. See, he made the promise and he sent a child because he knows how desperately you need your sins forgiven. He made a promise and he sent a child because he knows. He knows how desperately you need peace. He made a promise and he sent a child because he knows that without him, you're destined for eternity without him. He made a promise and he sent a child because he loves you. I want you to pray with me about that. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Today I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm asking you today not to delay that anymore. I'm asking you today to simply say, Father, thank you for the promise you made, for the promise you kept, and now I'm asking you, Keep it one more time and come into my heart, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus came as a child so that he could experience everything you've ever experienced and he could conquer it. And then he could die on the cross as your sacrifice. And today if you just put your faith in him, trust him as your Savior, you can experience what he has promised. I hope you'll do that today. And Christian, listen to me. If for no other reason this Christmas you ought to be able to say, Lord, I worship you because you sent a child when I needed him most. You sent Jesus into this world for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Christian, uh, Christian this Christmas, let's worship him. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you. Amen.